Hello, Farrell. Brandon, hello. Like every time I say hello to you, and it's because we've been talking for a while. You know, I brought this up before, but it just feels so awkward. <laughs> Disingenuous. This, this guy doesn't really care. But I like the way your cat's looking behind you. Oh, cool! They're in the frame. Nice. I got a cat here, but I've just like closed her out of the room. I'm like you are not part of this video. Can you see Pinkson eating on the counter? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I was gonna say we can't include the cat here because she swears a lot. Just <laughs> it's all um, it's all racial slurs. I watched oh I watched a Bruce Lee movie this week. Have you ever seen Fist of Fury? I think so. Which one is that one? It's the one that's like. So my point is, it, it's it's the one that's that's him as like a a student of a Chinese dojo that's kind of dealing with a bunch of evil Japanese people. And it was interesting to see a movie that was like racist depictions of Japanese people. Oh. They keep calling him sick men of Asia and they bring Bruce Lee a big sign that says sick men of Asia. And then he brings it back to the Japanese dojo and makes him eat the sign. Is that the one where he, he uh, said you killed teacher and was like, just as he's hitting a guy. Yeah. Or is that in Chinese connection? I don't know. I mean, they kill his teacher. Okay, so yeah, I have seen that one. Okay, it's the one, there's a sign that says like, there's a building that says like, no dogs and no Chinese. And he like kicks the sign and then does this like, like flies through the air and like hits, kicks the sign again and it explodes. It's very dramatic. <laughs> I kind of vaguely remember that. Yeah, I just remember him beating some guy up screaming that he killed teacher. Hmm. And uh, that was like over 20 years ago, I saw that movie. Oh yeah. I, I, I was like, 20 or something. That'd be a great way to describe Bruce Lee's movies. I just, is that the one where he beats the guy up? <laughs> just punches a guy and then, and then kicks him and then punches him again. I watched a documentary on Hong Kong action movies and their influence in the world. It was very weird because it had a big focus on like breakdancing and hip hop, but they did the entire documentary without ever mentioning the Wu-Tang Clan. Hmm. Which I was like, who hurt you in the Wu-Tang Clan? <laughs> um, but they talked about how when uh, Enter the Dragon was first made. Give me a sec. I gotta get some water. Okay, you get some water. I'll finish. I'll finish my thought without you. Um, when Enter the Dragon was first made, and uh, there was a, there was a thing where they couldn't distribute it because, and one of the distributors told the guy from Golden Harvest, the company that made it, that it was un-American to have people kicking each other. And then it became so popular that the same guy like hit him up and he was like, give me that un-American. That's sweet. Was it un-American? You know, it was like, only sissies kick each other. Yeah, he's not macho. John Wayne just punches. Most usual fists. Yeah. Yeah, I doubt John Wayne could get his like, leg higher than his like, gut or something. <laughs> or, yeah, I don't know. I heard he had like 40 pounds. <laughs> it's not COVID because I got vaccinated. But, oh yeah. Oh, you're gonna say that John Wayne had 40 pounds of raw red meat in his colon or something. It was like impacted bowels or something. Yeah. That's all. Died, yeah. What does that mean? What is an impacted bowel? I'm imagining it's something that has to. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I just listened to this podcast about. Uh, um people's like overconfidence it was about the podcast itself is about curiosity 
but it, it said there's some kind of sweet spot <clears throat> where you have to be like sort of interested in like <coughs> I'm no good for talking. <laughs> <laughs> you drink some water. Okay, so there's a there's a, it's it it falls into what I was the other day I was talking about, you know, like psychosomatic stuff, like uh how people can you can be given a, a drug that's uh what's it called? The the not real version of the drug and you still you get the placebo effects. Placebo? Yeah, like a placebo. Um, and I was, I was wondering how that kind of thing affects people with COVID. Like, if you're more likely to catch it, if you're like paranoid about catching it all the time, or if you're like, um, body's defenses are going to be more, more ready all the time. If you like see people with masks. Yeah, I, yeah. I wonder how like, uh, I wonder how. And I grew up in like basically like a cult, like very religious, where it was like very much like power of positive thinking type stuff, like believe God for this, you know, so if, if you don't want to be sick, just say you're not sick, or, you know, over and over again, basically. Right. Uh, I feel like that's kind of like that magical thinking stuff. So I'm always like really skeptical when I hear stuff like that. But yeah. I also, I think maybe because also because I was raising that, there's part of me that kind of believes that. So I, I, I engage in that kind of magical thinking like all day long, basically. <laughs> like you're just, you're taking like, I take vitamins, but it's like on faith that they're even working, you know, it's just like, well, you know, taking this vitamin C. So it means I'm healthier. I'm going to be healthier. You know, <laughs> like I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. Have you done <laughs> anything where you like have noticeable effects where you're like, oh, I'm suddenly doing this exercise or doing this vitamin thing and eating something different and you like physically notice it or is it always kind of a vague feeling uh i mean i notice when i eat something like if i eat like mcdonald's or something i feel shitty afterwards yeah mcdonald's food actually makes me gives me a hangover now the next day which is really weird i didn't i'd never heard of that being a thing before <laughs> but i'll like wake up with a headache yeah i wonder how much that is from the sugar like all the sugar and that stuff or just if it's like oh this is actually damaging your body so bad that your head's hurting <laughs> i mean it's probably just like a i mean it's probably just sugar and, and maybe a mix of like um a lot of it's probably what you're used to eating because when i it's like it's so outside of my um you know chicken and broccoli <laughs> everyday lifestyle that it's just you know because I, I don't Cause it's probably just what fat and sugar and a bunch of soy stuff in there and a tiny bit of meat. I wonder if it's some kind of like toxic shock thing. Like, like you're, you get your body's getting accustomed to, um, what's well, like, you know, drinking or something like I've been drinking a while, but like, you know, you do it all the time. You get like sort of like a tolerance to it or something. Yeah, I think right? it's a bit of that. And it's like you stop drinking and your body like detoxes and you're like, Oh, I'm going to go out and, get drunk after not drinking for six months and then you just get like insanely hammered and hung over for days or something afterwards you know because it's like your body's like oh this is what the hell's going on <laughs> i've been drinking like you're supposed to drink lately like i'll have like a little glass of wine with dinner and it not even like have it affect me which is weird for me because i feel like i'm usually like like all right let's go straight bourbon and then die or never touch this stuff Mostly never touch this stuff. Um, I finished. I finished my Rain Like Hammers book. It's all sent off, or I have 
I proved everything this morning. Geez, way to brag about being productive. No, I'm I mean, kidding. It's amazing. Congratulations. I love you. that. I mean, it took it took a million years, and I'm trying to I'm trying to segue right to the next thing. Like I I just finished a four pager for Heavy Metal, and I'm going to do a a twelve page like we're discussing my I have an idea for like a a culture of, of a future society that's all homunculi Frankenstein people. So I'm going to try cool. to jump right into this. <clears throat> Did you say like the whole anthologies themed like that? No, it's like, so that one I just got asked, uh, there's an artist named Al Gofa, Al Gofa, and he asked me uh, just on Instagram if I wanted to be in a Kickstarter science fiction anthology, and I know Malachi Ward and Simon Roy are both in it. Um, and it was at a time where, like, I've got another image book that I'm that I'm planning, but I was kind of like, Maybe I'll let that one stew for a little bit, but still try to keep cranking out pages every day. Cool, yeah. I think you started on Rain Like Hammers like when we were living together. Yeah, so it was like a, million a couple years, years ago. ago. Yeah. It's but like I haven't this... done anything since then myself. Like I mean, after you... I Proxima Centauri. I mean, I put, I put the often wrong together, but I didn't like do any new i haven't done any new comics like i did those daily drawings last year but you did all of proxima centauri beginning and end while i was like kind of doing like an issue of rain like hammers i also did do an one issue of the mind management uh comic for matt kent and daniel <laughs> daniel shabon but uh i'm just trying to think of like what I've done in the past like three years. <laughs> when you did your you did your daily drawing things where you kind of yeah I did that last year yeah so yeah I'm I'm starting I'm trying to do these uh, I did I I just did this this morning just now I was bragging but I just colored that fox guy oh that's awesome <laughs> I watched your I watched your YouTube video of the um, of the skateboard the skateboard character which is really cool oh thanks yeah that was I was kind of kind of rusty on doing those sketch the uh sketches and books but uh has that character been in a comic yet no she's the like i guess one of the main people in the robot todd series okay so i've drawn her a few times but i'm trying to get to where it's like it feels i don't know like that robot todd guy so easy and simple but even with him i, I like I'll change like the shape of his head. Like I'll try to like, oh, I like it better when his head's bigger, or rounder sure. other times. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to do that with her. So I've, I've been thinking of ways that I can uh, kind of, God, I want to do like a 21 minute something every day and mm -hmm. like, take a video and make a thing along with putting something on my Patreon. So that's what I just did with the this little Fox thing. It's like, well, I have to do this tarot deck. I have to do a box for it. And some other stuff. So I'm gonna do uh, like the 21 minute video. I'll I'll just do part of this image that I have to finish for 21 minutes, and then I'll like okay, I'll do 21 minutes tomorrow and work a little bit more. You know, nice. <laughs> and most of the day I'm spent trying to uh, get this children's book project finished or made headway on it. I've been slowly chipping away at it <laughs> that's good it's funny though there's something about like living doing anything public that requires more energy not that your 20 minute thing will be that at all i was just thinking about how no, it will, it'll be more public yeah 
Yeah, I did a thing for the Comics Journal years ago where they had me like, like, what's a week of your life like? And every day I would do a post. And I remember when it ended, I was like, oh, good. Now I can go back and actually just work because I didn't get much work done that week because I was like, had to talk about everything I was doing all day and make things presentable. But when you're actually like, like sometimes when I'm actually getting something done, it just doesn't look like anything anyone wants to see. You know, a week's work might just be like, here's five unfinished, half finished pages, you know. I did that the other day with, I listened to a book about, uh, I think it was called like, Will Power Doesn't Work? And it was all about, you know, motivating how to, how to change your environment. It was about a guy named William Power that just won't get a job. <laughs> Lazy so-and-so. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, just like changing your environment to sort of kind of force you to do something. Sort of like, you know, what I'm doing, like my Patreon is like, oh, I'll do publicly do this. So oh, that's good kind of keep me accountable but um the uh oh man i totally lost what i was gonna say there about that <laughs> uh and kind of living doing stuff publicly to kind of force yourself to do the work yeah um shit it's gonna be really insightful and profound too but it's lost forever oh well keep talking maybe spend no, don't do it's, it's, it's very <laughs> It's early in the day for us. We should. What it's like? Uh, I guess it's eleven. It's eleven a.m. But for me, that's like you know, farmers should not be awake at eleven a.m. in my world. <laughs> yeah, normally uh, by eleven, I'm still. Oh yeah, now I remember what I was going to say. God damn it! Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out the schedule for like my day that has to stick mm -hmm. with it. And so one of the suggestions they made in this book was journaling. Like he also suggested praying too. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. But, uh, you know, he's like meditation or prayer or whatever. But uh, the, the morning he's like, oh, you should, you know, spend some time journaling. And I haven't done that in forever. And uh, it's kind of going back where you say like how long that stuff takes. And it was like half the day was spent doing this. <laughs> it's like just, and I even had some of that drawing done, you know, yeah. it's just, okay, this is the schedule cool I want to do. And I just started writing down all the stuff that I had done, like, yesterday, or, like, you know, that morning, yesterday, and, um, and there's, like, a lot of stuff, but I mean, none of it was, like, producing artwork. Sure. And just, like, I was like, man, I'm just not going to be able to journal every day. It's just, like, it just feels like a waste of time, you know? It's like, unless I put some kind of, like, limit on it, like, I'm only going to journal for, like, 10 minutes, and then no matter what, I'm going to stop, you know? Uh. I make myself do sketchbook drawings, but it's like uh, my process is oftentimes I'll just go through a bunch of photos, like I'll pull out a magazine and flip through it and just redraw stuff or I'll just go through um, Pinterest or something and just draw images off of that. And I think what that does for me is it's like when I want to engage, I will like write down a thought I had. Like I just posted a Patreon thing today where I was like, um, I was just drawing a bunch of like naked lady drawings and then on the side of the thing I kept talking, I kept writing these notes down about how marijuana um, helps people with PTSD because I'm working on a diary comic about that like separately. Because hmm. I think there's something about like, not like if you're redrawing photos then it kind of, it's like you're focusing on craft and then you can also be like, also here's an idea I had while I'm, while I'm working on it, but it doesn't like force you to, um, like I'm kind of, I really like in the comics, we don't have to be consciously thinking all the time when you're drawing. Um, like when I would write scripts for other people, it was like weird to me because 
you had to be thinking with everything. You, you can't not think and be writing, right? But you can kind of not yeah. think and be drawing. I can't be listening to music or anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I've been kind and of writing ways. The pencil though. stage, it's really hard for me to like, even if I'm trying, oh, this is like a fun podcast that I can just listen to. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll get totally distracted and the work won't be as good, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I basically have to keep everything. Like, I can listen to, I think I've mentioned before, I have, uh, like, two Miles Davis albums that I just play as, like, Pavlovian thing to get me to work. Oh, yeah, you, you have mentioned that before, and that reminds me, in that book, I had the Willpower book, one of the suggestions he talks about is that thing you told me that Corey used to do, Corey Lewis used to do, and that you do, where you just play one song over and over again when you're working on a project. Yeah, it ruins the song, but it's... Good yeah, it ruins the song. I remember you saying that like, he didn't mention that in the, in the audiobook, but he was saying how like a lot of like I guess like geniuses and really productive people use that technique of repetition of like putting something on that like just repeating a song over and over again. Or like I've even done that with like um, uh, like I used to put on like Waiting for Godot. There's like mm -hmm. a BBC production. I used to put that on in the background and just kind of listen to it as I was doing stuff. I mean, that's a little different, I guess, because that's long. <laughs> but uh, the song thing, I thought I just thought that was interesting. That they mentioned that in the audiobook, and I was like, I got to tell Brandon about that. That's cool. Because for me, it was a feeling of like it almost sticks you in time, where you're just like you know like. Like, if you listen to a whole album sometimes, you'll just be like, oh, here's a slow part. And then you can kind of get distracted and be like, I'm going to go see what's on the computer. But if you're like just in like, like a two minute loop, it's almost just like gives and give you time for downtime. Um, I did it with. Has there a, ever been a song you didn't ruin doing that? Yeah. I, years ago, there, there, I, I did two Rock Kim songs back to back. Um, it's the one where he has this ridiculous line where he's talking about all his names that he has all over the world. Um, and he's like, in Japan, they call him Watashi wa Lakimo. And I was like, that's just your name pronounced with a Japanese accent. That's not a different <laughs> name. Um, but I like that song a lot. It was, I don't remember the name of it. It's maybe the R or something. But um, that one didn't get ruined. And, I, and that reminds me too, I was, I was distracted by coughing and stuff. But what were you saying about Wu-Tang not being included in a Oh yeah, there's a weird, there's a Netflix, there's a Netflix documentary on kind of Hong Kong action movies and how they influence the world. And it goes into like, this interesting stuff about like action movies being made in like Ghana right now, or like uh, stuff like The Raid or Hong Bok that are, that are being made like more recently in, in, in other countries. Um, like I think Hong Bok is Thai. Um, but it goes into like lots of hip hop and, and uh, the influence of like, Kung Fu movies on breakdancing and everything, but they just don't mention the Wu-Tang Clan. It was really that was, weird. That seems so obviously, uh, that seems like they must have asked RZA and uh -huh. he was like, no, or something must have, there must have been some kind of breakdown there because that, I mean, they directly sample like Shaw Brothers movies in their, yeah, yeah. their raps. And there's a bunch of weird stuff about the documentary. They kind of like, they, they touch on um, like they, there's more about Sammo Hung in it than than Jackie Chan. And then when Jackie Chan was going to show up, it's basically they just kind of skipped a Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and it's just I don't even know if they mentioned Jet Li. It was a really weird documentary because it was like because I was like I feel like I know a chunk about action movies from Hong Kong, but they left out everything I know. Huh. yeah, that's that's odd. Maybe they were the the creators 
I'm going to do what my mom does. Like, maybe they're doing it because of this reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, I, there's a good, I've been, I've read a couple bad comics over the last couple of weeks, and I had these reactions where I was just like, man, maybe they got some family stuff going on. I don't know why this comic's so bad. <laughs> like, I, I keep, like, rationalizing, uh, like, rationalizing mistakes because I'm like, what would, what would be in, going on in my life where I put out something that I felt like was like this, you know? Yeah, man, this is water. That's good. It means you're like considering other people, you know? I guess that's a start, but it's like, you know, I mean, it's never good when it's like, why is this so bad? It could just be like, that's not for me. <laughs> I'm like that with that show, The Blacklist. Have you ever heard of that show? Yeah, we Maybe talked I... about that before. Okay, we have. So, yeah, that's, James Spader that's something that I just scream at the, scream at the <laughs> screen the whole time I'm watching it. It's just how, and I, and I rewrite it. I'm like, no, why wouldn't you do it this way? It's so much better. Like in the, not the last episode, but the episode before, uh, whatever his name is, uh, Raymond Redding. Who's that guy's, that actor? At the, James Spader? Yeah, James Spader, thank you. He like, he stabs a guy and then he like grabs him and is like gonna slit his throat. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that his, the knife, that the big knife he had was like caught on his watch. And he was like threatening the guy, like, how many of there are you? He's like, there's everybody coming. And he's like, yeah. And then he like slits his throat and like, you know, like, a, but his, his watch was like, it like scraped against the knife edge as he was doing it. It was like, that doesn't seem very, uh, like he's good with, you know, like that, that, that isn't something that would slip by in like Falcon and the Winter Soldier or something like that. You know, like, you're like, oh, we need to reshoot this. The knife was all on your watch, you know, it just seems so like, obviously like they're, <laughs> yeah, they're right acting, shooting, you know, shooting at people as like the A-team or something. And that so, makes me want to watch it more because, um, because it kind of looks like James Spader, like, like dressing up as Warren Ellis or something. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's a little, he's a little dad, dad bod in it, I guess, you know, it's not the same. And it's funny too, because I noticed like the directors of some of the episodes are like Andrew McCarthy, who was like in, Pretty in Pink with him. He was like the good guy in Pretty in Pink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> James Spader was a bad guy. So it's kind of oh weird. These like old '80s movies, uh, you know, heartthrobs, teen teen idols are like in these like doing these crappy uh, <laughs> uh, gangster shows. You know, I like that though. Like hanging out with the same people in. Uh... You know. I'm sure it's a good living. You know, it's probably fun to make and no reshoots apparently. Like, yeah, I don't they got this. <laughs> but your knife was, was the, the handle they got wives and kids to get home to. They can't be worried about <laughs> stuff like that. I like I kind of like fiction stuff that where it's where they make mistakes and it's nonsense like that. Like I get really caught up in like um every routine where my girlfriend will will like get stoned and watch Buck Rogers with me a bunch of nights. And I will like be like, wait, 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 wait how exactly does the time gate here work in this book rogers episode and she's like will look at me and laugh and be like you turn this is ridiculous this is just <laughs> yeah. like there's just there's like a man guy named Hawkman that looks like Hawkman. <laughs> well yeah you want him to call it something else um <laughs> is that his name or is he like Falcon? his name is just hawk hawk okay yeah but he like comes from he comes from a place a planet i presume where everyone looks like hawks yeah he's like the he's even his Bird ship Bird. looks like a hawk. Doesn't his like spaceship look like a hawk? It has yeah. like claws that come out and stuff. I'm not even to. I remember Hawk when I was a kid, but I'm not even to the Hawk episodes. Of, he's no, he comes season. in. Uh, yeah, second or third season, right? 
Yeah, I watched a video where a guy was just complaining about how much it falls apart in the second season. And I think, from my impression of the video, it just that he liked the one pretty lady villain, the princess of the, um, what are they called? The aliens have a really funny name in it. They're called um, uh, the, the Draconians. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, because yeah. it's funny because that became a, like that was a real people, I believe, that became a term. So it's funny, like, those these draconians sure are draconian. Yeah, it's um, weird. It's just that, yeah, I just can't get over that, like, hawk, like, it'd be like us being on another, you know, hanging out with a bunch of hawk people, and it's like, human! And, like, your ship looks like a big dude. Like, your spaceship well, looks like a big human. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a thing, like, okay, let, let's, let's, let's reverse engineer this. Maybe there's, like, they worship hawks on the planet, but then they were like so into hawks that they started like genetically integrating that them. That makes into... a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, because he actually, he's a humanoid with just right. hawk trapping, like uh, whatever, accoutrement. Right, really. so that's my, maybe they're, they're in a thing where like they have to, like maybe it's like kind of a flight-based society and they're super into the idea of flight and they start to worship birds so they can, you know, maybe they're all in cliffs or something and yeah. But yeah. really take the not to take the fun out of thing for me. <laughs> I mean his his hair is feathers. Like it's kinda cool. Yeah. But that yeah, definitely seems like a genetic mod, you know. But I you're just saying people looking like that now in our society. You know? But wouldn't the human the human version of it would be like uh like your if you had a ship that was a human, it would just look like a transformer or Voltron or something. Yeah. It's just like one of those weird things that kind of breaks down when you like I drive around yeah. like James Spader. We 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 anthropomorphized. I think they made fun of it like Rick and Morty, but it's or like maybe like that. Movie. I never saw those Cars movies, but um, where it's like there's a car that isn't a, a house shaped like a car, but it comes out of a garage. The cars have house. I've never seen those either, but I feel like they, I would go insane. Yeah, like, there's some kind of weird. They, they're jumping through different uh, alternate realities. And I think they they point out it's like how does that doesn't make it? You know, you keep the everyone's a car, but like they live in houses that you know, <laughs> you know they is it in Rick and Morty or in the Pixar Cars movie? I think it was in a Rick and Morty's where I heard something referenced like that. Okay. I'm totally screwing this up. There's probably you know. Uh, I know there's birds in the Cars universe, but nothing else. Maybe here's my theory. I don't know if I know anyone that's watched the Pixar's car movie, and maybe it's because everybody that's watched the Pixar's car movie has gone insane. <laughs> it just reeks of lame. It just looks so dumb. Like to me, like the. I mean, I'm sure it's great for kids. Like they don't care. They don't question logic or stuff. They can't like even that. drive. What do they care? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like they're playing with cars. Hey, it's like the little toys that I play with, but they're like anthropomorphized. Um, that seems so boring. Did you see that Owen Wilson? Because you were talking about him a minute ago, right? Or is that pre-recording this? That might have been pre. Yeah, I was talking about I was talking about Zoolander two, the finest film ever made. Because you were talking about a Sting's character from Dune not being in the new Dune yeah. movie. Fade Rafa, yeah, isn't at least on the IMDb or hasn't been mentioned. Or at least did you point at some Reddit thread or something where they were talking. Yeah, about I, I looked it up. And there was a bunch of angry articles that were like, where is this guy? And I was, I was like, so my, my theory about Sting in the first, in the David Lynch Dune movie is that he is like, 
like I have a funny thing with Dune where it's like, I've never read, I tried to write the book and I kind of got bored and stopped, which is probably more on me than on Frank Herbert. Um, and I'm not a big fan of the Jodorowsky documentary, but I really like the Lynch one. Um, Do you like the Lynch movie? Yeah, the Lynch Dune. Is I've, my, I've grown to, Dune. to love the Lynch movie, yeah. aesthetically at least, and just every cool actor in the world is in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Or all the people that are in David Lynch movies and stuff, but like Patrick Stewart's in there, you know? Yeah, it's just, um, it's all in all, it's, it's great. It's got TV's Dean Stockwell is in it from, uh, of um, Quantum Leap fame. Yeah, he was also the candy feather clown in the Sandman in the, um, uh, in Blue Velvet. <clears throat> oh, that's right, yeah. Um, I forgot he was in other uh, Lynch movies, but yeah, so my theory is that Sting was in that movie so they could kill Sting. Like all of <laughs> Dune was an elaborate, uh, David Lynch's Dune was an elaborate um, attempt on Sting's life masquerading as a movie. Yeah, I wonder if they, I wonder if it was like, you ha like when David Lynch agreed to the movie, like you have to put Sting in it. You know, the studio would like force that on him or if he was like, oh, I enjoyed, yeah, Sting would, is really well cast as this role, you know? I don't know. Cause like, like um, Wad Deeb's father is the guy from Das Boot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Patrick Stewart's Gurdy Halleck, whatever. And the guy that plays uh, Duncan Idaho, I forget, I looked him up. He's been in a bunch of stuff too. Oh, yeah. And in the new Duncan Idaho, it's Aquaman, which makes me distrusted because I just, it got stuck in my head that he was a shitty Conan. Huh. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind him being cast as that. It's just kind of weird that you get like, I mean, he's a pretty big star at this point. And that is such, I mean, I love that character, Duncan Idaho. He's awesome. Especially in like the later books, they start cloning him and bringing him back. He's like the coolest dude. I mean, that might but be He's in like three scenes in the book or something. And then yeah, he's but, but that might be it. If they're, like, if they're not planning on doing more stuff with him, then, then maybe they're like, let's get a big actor so we can base some movies around. Yeah, um, maybe he's, they're going to do sequels. And I'm thinking that's what must be the deal with like the Sting fade rafa character because they have the beast raban who's his brother is played by that guardians of the galaxy wrestler guy the big guy oh Baptista, yeah, yeah john baptista isn't that his name sure john baptista, the, something you're, like you're that. talking about the yeah i just know him as the guardians drax the destroyer guy. yeah drax the destroyer that's his name i didn't did you know drax the destroyer in the comic books because i did not yeah i re, i at least remember him from the handbook to the marvel universe books okay yeah like, I pretty much had all the characters memorized, you know, especially if they were, like, a good drawing. And I think John Byrne had drawn him. No, I think he... Was he... Did he carry a... Did he carry, like, a big axe in the comics? I don't know. I, I, all the Marvel space stuff is kind of alien to me. Hmm. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I, I feel like I remember him from being in some... John Byrne Fantastic Fours or something like that. Okay. But he wasn't like a comical character the way everyone is, I guess, in those movies. I mean, they're basically comedies. Yeah, I, I love just, I just assume, I'm, I have mixed feelings always, but like, it's funny, I had a funny, like I watched all of WandaVision, but then I watched the first episode of Winter Soldier uh, Falcon. Of Edie Falcone I, in the Winter yeah. Sister Soldier. Exactly. <laughs> and I, my reaction to it was like, oh, good. This isn't very good. I don't have to watch it. And, you know, it's cool if you like it. But so it's just, you. 
I, I just, love that show. I, I mean, just, corny I just feel like they all are, but it, it was. I don't. Know, I, I have a blast, especially like the Captain America style ones. Like I like all those movies the best. And but but you can tell me why you don't like it if you want. I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't need to watch it. That makes me feel free. <laughs> I'm just like I, I get off fucking scot free. I don't have to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is like so many hours that I can be spending doing other things. Scot free is DC, not Marvel. Okay. Oh, Miracle Man. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Miracle Man seems. Who's wait? Is Big Barda DC or Marvel? It's DC. She's like his his uh, his lady friends, but his partner. That's what I was trying to get with. Like, it's it's weird. The DC They're Jack Kirby, Kirby stuff is yeah. The DC Jack Kirby stuff is weird because it just seems like 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 the all those characters just feel like they would be like Eternals in Marvel. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of was the idea, right? That the fourth world stuff was it right. Was, Marvel, you know, doing Marvel style. I, I don't know. I'm not a comic historian, so. But, uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's weird because the Kirby stuff over at DC, I can't think of much of it that's been done um, well after Kirby left it. Like, I don't know if there's been like a great commandi or like a, like Orion always seems wrong when anyone else draws Orion. Even, did you know like Simonson's uh, run on that? I, I I prefer earlier Simonson, if we're honest. Hmm. What like, about the more recent Simonson stuff? I haven't read it. I should I should try it out. Do you like it? I haven't read it either, unfortunately. No. It looks I mean, cool. Like I see his, I love his Instagram. You know, it's like I just sure. I haven't just been I just haven't been reading a lot of comics. I remember when Orion was coming out, or like after it was cut, like he when I think when I was still in school, or maybe just after I took his class he mentioned that he was starting on Orion. I think he was finishing up something else and started doing Orion. And um, uh, I saw him at a comic convention like a couple years later, whenever it was canceled, it was, the book was getting canceled and he had a bunch of people. It was like a, one of those conventions where, like no one's at. So like basically like all the big creators, like Walt Simon stuff, there's just, like seven people standing around looking at his original artwork and he's like showing stories and stuff like i love that so uh we're all standing there and he was talking about it and he was like oh he's like yeah ryan got canceled so i'm not gonna do that anymore he's like he's like no one bought the book you know it's like Farrell didn't even buy the book and i was just like you just said if you did better i would have and he walked away and it's the last time no i thought it looked great it, it's just i don't know because i saw some of the, ori- the original artwork for it Right. And I was like, this looks amazing. It's fucking incredible. I'm going to totally love this book. But then something about seeing them come out as like a Marvel comic with like logos and ads. And I mean, it's a DC comic, but sure. you know what I mean? It's like that style, like pamphlet. I think it's just the time and place I was where I'm just like, you know, it's been all colored and I just, it didn't look, I just was like, wasn't interested in it as much. There's something that like that. There's certain types of work that like, like sometimes the originals will look kind of crappy compared to the print version like it's made for print and then other times like a lot of mainstream superhero stuff like back when we were coming up seeing the original artwork because they're being done with like nice techniques on nice paper like seeing the original work was like so much more impressive than seeing the print version 
yeah, go look at some like Wally Wood pages that someone have framed in their home or something. It's like, sure. what? I mean, that's, I mean, that's that guy did like thousands of pages like that. That's crazy. Yeah, but even stuff like I feel like even like a Jim Lee page would be more impressive in the original than it would be in print. Yeah. Um, whereas I remember uh, like the examples of it are all people no one would know. There's a guy Locke who um, you know is kind of Brian O'Malley's. Uh, uh, I don't know, the, the guy who kind of helped Brian O'Malley kind of get going in his early comics. But his stuff looks kind of like Otomo or something, right? Like Yeah, it's very Otomo Shiro. Um, but I remember seeing his originals and they were kind of like eight and a half by 11, just like little sketchbook drawings. And like when you see him on his website, there was just like, I assumed he was drawing it huge. Yeah, that is interesting. You, you did those Rain Like Hammers pages pretty big, right? Are they normal, uh, normal, like, your normal, like, 11 by 17? They're 11 by 17. Like, here's a rain like hammers page. Oh, okay. So it's really because it's stars here in the, in the book. I just did, um, I just did the heavy metal story. I drew it much larger. Like, here's 11 by 17, kind of standard comic size. I think this one is... Oh, so it's wider. because it's Is that because it's a magazine? So the format's yeah. a little wider? But the funny thing about this story, it's, it's only four pages, but it took me only by page four did I actually have the dimensions down because I kept drawing pages and I'd scan them and be like, oh, it's slightly off, I'll tweak it in Photoshop. And so I used to give Corey Lewis shit on his Shark Neck book because he would draw pages different sizes. And I was like, you're going to drive everyone crazy. And now I'm just like, I'm like, I scan them myself. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, and Corey seems to like his style is like, like kind of made for doing Photoshop over. <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's just kind of doing crazy he's going crazy all the time yeah because i do stuff where it's like like there's no point in me like filling in all this blacks it could just click it in photoshop but it's like kind of for my own enjoyment yeah huh. and i don't know if i mentioned this to you i uh i took on a coloring job coloring someone else's book like not drawing it at all oh um, i think you did mention that to me but yeah i don't Give me the details. Uh, yeah, so my friend Wyatt is doing a couple books that haven't been announced yet. And um, I'm lettering one of them and coloring another one of them. And it's, they both look really cool, but it's like, it'll be interesting for me just to like have this very, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of enjoy. I'm looking forward to like setting up more things that are almost like day job work sometimes. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, mean, I get, I get the. Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly why you would do that, but I understand. I, I can relate to the sentiment or something because, like, yeah, it's some sometimes it's nice not be able to not have to think about what you're doing as much. It's like, yeah. okay, this is just like I'm just coloring this. I can listen to an audio book or something and just space out and do this. Yeah. Money. Yeah, it's weird. I almost feel like if I have, if I have things in place that are like, this is a money job, then I can do, um, I was going to say I could do art jobs that are a little more risky or whatever, but I think, I mean, the reality is that the comic jobs, I'm, the, jo the comic I'm doing next is, is I'm attempting to make something that's a little more accessible than Rain Like Hammers was, so who knows? I don't think, I'm just trying out different things. I just kind of don't know. You know, I feel like I've been trying to reassess my whole life the last couple of years. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll like coloring someone else's work. Also, I think it's coloring's really easy for me. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. It's like some things, uh, <clears throat> some things are kind of fun because it's not you don't have your 
you know, your whole life writing on it, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like your reputation or your, you know, uh, oh, this is like part of my body of work. So I have to make it really good or really stand out as like unique yeah. or whatever, instead of just like, oh, I can do like a efficient professional job on this thing. So yeah. I, I, I look at like, you know, like I, I was reading that monstrous comic and mm -hmm. I, you know, I look at something like that and like, uh, like, I don't know much about like the writing process of something like that just cause I'm not, a, not a, like a writer for other people, but just, you know, the thing I'm concentrating most on is, you know, when I'm reading it, it's like the way, like the production of the art. And so I'm saying like, Oh, it looks cheap. You know, there'll be some things in there where she's like, Oh, she really enjoys drawing, doing portraits. Mm -hmm. you know like or ladies portraits or these kind of anthrop like a fox person's port you know where it's like seems like the photoshop will be a lot you know she's like a really good drawer you know draftsman sure. um but it seems like a lot of the the sort of splash the splashy pages are like you know someone sitting or standing somewhere with like you know robes and it's like been really photoshopped up and it looks cool uh or like i just saw one today there was like a big tree in the picture and look, I just, oh, I really like the way she rendered the, the leaves and the tree, you know? Um, but, uh, but looking at some of the drawings, it's like, it's weird to me, not just the way I would approach it. Not, I don't think it looks weird, but it's like looking at it, it's like, whoa, that's really loose. Like the way she would, she'll draw, like ums have like a hand that's like not finished sure. or, you, you know, someone's ear or hair or something will just kind of, you know, fade into whatever. And it's like, I just seen like, I spent so much time like worrying about stuff like that, you know? Like yeah. if I did that once in a comic, I'd be like, oh no, I, I didn't finish that thing. And she, you know, she's probably just like, oh, I have a schedule, I'm a professional. Yeah. I can focus a little bit on rendering this thing because that's fun, but I can't spend too much time on, you know, getting every draw, you know? It's like, uh, I heard like Jeff Smith kind of did that with Russell where he like went through and drew all the faces first. Interesting the whole book or something and then went yeah. back and like you know whatever he had time for he would do the backgrounds of as fast as he could so sometimes there'd be like you know uh, a jeep that just didn't look quite right and it's like oh that was he just had a deadline that day and didn't quite you know <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting um because i i used to i've tried different techniques over the years like i remember um around the time when i was doing the first like multiple warheads porn short story I did a thing where I would give myself like one detailed panel and then the other panels would be um, basically simple with no backgrounds. So it was like a way of like, um, like just focusing all the time I spent on one panel. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think you notice sometimes with artists, like, like it's interesting when you look at Mobius comics, like sometimes he has panels where you're like, this looks kind of just banged out for Mobius. And I feel like sometimes, you know, like the storytelling is more important than the, than the drawing being perfect. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's difficult. I, all the time, all the time, it is. Yeah, because I was <laughs> storytelling is is number one with with comics anyway. It's like, if, you know, it's like, but I yeah, think but a that, bad drawing can throw off some stuff too. I was going to say, I think that it can. It's up to the artist to like how how do I just not distract from the storytelling? You know, it's yeah. like either a, a really good drawing might do that or a really bad drawing could do that, you know? Yeah, but I don't know if anyone's ever been like, this drawing is distracting, it's so good. You know, it's more just like, just <laughs> here, enjoy this. I've been, I've been reading this Bastion Beeves book that, that just came out. 
Yeah, that looks awesome. <clears throat> and he does the thing in it where he will sometimes not even draw. Like, he'll leave people's eyes out a lot. Like, a lot. Like, on at least half the pages, they'll just be like someone where he just didn't draw their eyes. That's weird. That seems like the most... Uh, if you were going to include one thing on the face, you think it would be the eyes. You see that guy? Over a mouth or a nose. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and, and I flip to a random other page, and it's just like, this kid sleep with no eyes. Must be nice to have no eyes. Well, that makes sense with the sleep because yeah. you know you don't see the pupils, obviously. But yeah, that is a strange thing. Yeah, it seems like people like I remember watching. I don't know. Did you ever watch at Floating World when Shauna was hosting those like anime nights? I never went, but I heard about them. Oh yeah, I just went to one. I forgot what movie we watched, but uh, I was in there with everyone. In there was well versed with anime, and I didn't you know and a bunch of nerds you just went there to yeah. collect lunch money from a bunch of dweebs i'm the nerd i mean they're they were all cool and watching and enjoying it and i have to i'm super obnoxious when i'm with a bunch of people <laughs> watching something because i have to comment on every fucking thing mm-hmm. in the show but uh uh i i just at one point i was like why does no one have nose holes like I just reasonable point. Music. Yeah. And everyone's like, what are you cr-? like? It's like, oh, that's like an anime thing, I guess, where it's like, why don't they draw nose holes? <laughs> but I it's funny because I feel very well versed in that style too. And it's like I have to draw nostrils when I draw faces. Nostrils, that's when nose holes. What? Nostrils. You know what nostrils are? They're nose holes. <laughs> um but I just yeah, that that's that's a reasonable critique of it. The worst thing is I was I wasn't was it a critique? I just was like I just felt like I just wasn't in on the subculture. Like I didn't know the language of anime. Is there a reason for it? Is there other than aesthetics, or is it like oh, it's just practical? It takes too much time to draw nose nose nostril holes. I mean, I think a lot of it is stylization, but I don't I don't think I think it pressed people would be like, like, like I've, seen, I've seen things where someone will have to interact with their nostrils and they just will suddenly have, a, like they'll stick their finger in like a hole that wasn't there before or whatever. And I don't know, I, I like that style a lot, but I, I feel like your fallback should generally be reality sometimes. And it, it seems like, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a stylization thing. I, I, I don't think I would be comfortable not drawing nostrils. Especially, like, I get if there's, like, a crowd scene, like, you're not going to draw everyone's, every orifice on every person. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. And I'll, I'll draw ears sometimes and just draw <laughs> the, the shape and not, I don't know why I'm being such a... But when you're doing, like, a close-up of someone, like, screaming or something, yeah, and, you, and you're, like, looking at this angle and you don't see not, it looks weird. It's just, well, like, it's funny, like, like, me, like, like, wait, where, why don't they have holes to breathe in and out of when look at just Tintin, their mouth? Like, like, Tintin doesn't have nostrils. He just has, like, a thing but it's like it's always a medium or a long shot there's no close-ups of Tintin oh weird really yeah he does close-ups of hands sometimes and and characters that never had fingernails will suddenly have fingernails which makes me think that if he had a, a real close-up of Tintin's face he'd probably have like all kinds of things that you can't see you'd have like, acne and runny snot running down his nose <laughs> nostril hole yeah um yeah, I've got a, I've got a big Tintin book here. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a little too. Like, I feel like I'm very. I, I Say that title out loud to me. Le Monde de Hege. 
Okay. I butcher. I don't speak. A, I don't speak a lick of French, and even less Belgian. Um, yeah, no one's got nostrils and tintin. Yeah, I guess it makes sense if you're not looking up close. That seems like a too small of a detail. Yeah, but like Haddock's nose is like a. Is it really, the Tintin magazine covers are so good. I don't know if you can see this. Wow. My chair's making farting noises. Um, yeah, Hergay's good. I got, I got so. I got really deep into the Hergay stuff, and then I wrote an article for that Strangers thing, and I felt like I had to go back and like remember what the hell <laughs> Tintin was about and to write an article about it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't really know much about it other than what I've gleaned off of you. Oh, I should loan you some Tintins. They're really fun. Well, you're reading through all of them on your Instagram, right? Oh, yeah. Did you finish? Oh, yeah. I finished a while ago. I didn't. I okay. skipped. I skipped, skipped Tintin in the Congo. The Why? <laughs> <laughs> just time. Just time. I didn't have time. It felt right. I ended up reading it myself, though. Um, oh, right. Sure. I did it because I did a KO, a knockout list of everything. Yeah, I don't think that's a crime. To... It's horrible, dude, because I have this reaction to it. Like when I read Tintin in the Congo, I was just like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I'd feel that way if I wasn't me. Well, I mean, it's also like you're not publishing the books or anything. Sure. You know, you're not like going around indoors telling people that this should be, you know, it's like the Dr. Seuss thing when I was like, I guess the publisher was like, or the family, the estate or something, were like, hey, these Dr. Seuss books, they look, feel a little, eh, now, so we're just not gonna put those out anymore. And then didn't a bunch of people get like upset? They're like, they're trying to cancel Dr. Seuss. Like, yeah, it was weird. I don't no, know why- the book still exists. He's fine. Like, <laughs> I have always mixed feelings about this stuff because I, I don't, I think Dr. Seuss books are fine, but also it's like, if they just took them out of print and didn't tell anyone, and just left it. No, I think they are fine. I think there was just like a few books that had some problematic imagery in it. And they, they were just like, hey, this isn't really a, a thing we feel is we want to keep publishing. And you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the whole backstory of that. But my issue with it is like, why do I know about it? Like, why did you make a statement? You know, like, why? Is I think because people were flying, flipping out about it not being a thing anymore. It's like, really, do we really need every Dr. Seuss book to be in print? Like you, the people that were getting that mad about, I doubt had even read those books. I mean, I suspect you know? they're probably all like accessible, like you know, because there's yeah, like, you can probably still get them at your library or whatever. Because you know, there's the Dr. Seuss thing where he drew a bunch of naked ladies. Yeah, the secret art of Dr. Seuss. I used to have yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's not very secret of me, and you've both seen it. Well, you know, yeah, when you publish a book named The Secret, you know, yeah. it's like, well, it's more. <laughs> most artists from that era, like, I think at, at Cosmic Monkey Comics here, they have a book that's like, I think it's like early Carl Barks, and it's just Carl Barks Racism Comics. Um, that's the title of it? Carl Barks Racism? In my heart, that's the title. <laughs> no, but it's like, it's I think so a lot of it is just like, in that era, it was very common for people to do... Uh, racial caricatures that are like the World War II stuff is always really fascinating because people get really upset about like a lot of like Japanese depictions and obviously America was very shitty to Japanese to, to non people that we were at war with as well but a lot of it I think is understanding the cultural context of like of like of like we were trying to do that to Germany too we just you know they we had you know they looked just like the artist though was a problem
Yeah, it's too bad you couldn't uh, finish the Winter Soldier Falcon Captain America show because they they deal with that a lot. You know? That sounds yeah. It works really well. I thought I, I, a friend I really, of mine's been telling me about it. I just I don't think it's appropriate for Disney cartoons to talk about the history of racial injustice. I'm just like it just it feels a little gross to me. I don't know why. I I get I totally get that because it it feels kind of hypocritical considering you know disney as a corp as a man and a corporation how many people they kind of fucked over <laughs> i think he was you generally know? sexist but not racist is my understanding well, i think he was i heard there was some anyway I and mean, no one's perfect but whatever uh fuck that guy i'm just saying in relation to me like no more racist than i am i don't know why I'm oh, saying well. that. yeah we're getting into some yeah serious serious business here but um no i just i i, I don't I, I like I, I understand that I understand the criticism of them doing that, but I I think because we've talked about this kind of stuff before with everything being like it's not Disney's not a person anymore. It's just this big corporation that sure, yeah. runs a lot of stuff. So I much prefer them tackling those kind of issues in a show and like letting the creative, you know, the writers and the the actors and the you know, all the people in the crew and all that stuff kind of get behind this good message as opposed to just pretending that that stuff didn't exist, you know, it doesn't exist. I, I yeah. prefer that. I prefer them actually talking about it and stuff. And I know that like the end, it's like, everything's okay now, right? You know, I mean, that's fine too. I mean, escapism is good. Like I, I'm a fan of escapism. I think it's good. I don't think that it's wrong for, cause I mean, you still have individual writers that are producing this stuff. And I don't think that's entirely wrong. There's just something about it that feels like, um, I don't know. I, I just, I don't trust, <laughs> you know, it feels you like. You shouldn't trust it for sure. It just feels like, a, like, you know, it feels like what does SpongeBob Bob SquarePants have to say about the prison industrial, you know, thing? I'm just like, no, no, that's it's, it's not. It's not the same because, like, Captain America comics have always been political. They've always dealt with that kind of stuff since, like, you know, the, its inception, like punching Hitler. I mean, there's a bunch yeah, of people but they've been, they've in, been the, like, in America that were like outraged, like, oh, dear, did what? Yeah, you know, but like if a, we're honest, they've been stance, they've know? been bazooka Joe political. They're not. They haven't been like real. Right, I know, but it's still. It's like the context is like like SpongeBob SquarePants. Like that's obviously for little kids. Sure, it's about like an undersea creatures. It's not. There's no basis in reality on it other than like there is such a thing as an ocean where creatures live in it you know Allegedly. <laughs> that's it whereas like Falcon, this flat earth captain america and all that stuff is like oh that's there it's obviously a fantasy like a boy's fantasy sure but i feel like they've always infused this re reality like reflected the times that you live in like captain america that's always the thing with him he's like i'm a man out of time like i you know I, i'm in this world that i don't understand i have these like Right. beliefs that I have is this, these beliefs or the ideals that I, I want to uphold but then I'm seeing that the country that I represent actually isn't upholding these ideals and so it's like I you have to fight your own basically you're like your own system to try to uphold these ideals and I think like the show did that really well where they huh. yeah I don't they, I, I they, think... they, they have an episode <clears throat> a couple episodes where they I think it's based off a, a comic that I, a Marvel comic that I did, didn't read 
like Captain America, black, white, and red or something like that. Oh, but it's yeah, like yeah. they, they, they uh, meet like, uh, like the Winter Soldier takes Falcon to this dude, Isaiah Bradley, who was uh, Captain America in like the 50s. Oh yeah, Kyle Baker did a book called The Truth. That yeah, Truth, that was it, it. that was it, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's based off that character. Sure. And, um, and then I thought, I was like, oh, they're just doing like a one-off thing. But the whole show is actually about the Falcon kind of coming to terms with, oh, I'm, you know, there's, it's like, you know, I'm a black guy and people have all these expectations and, you know, whatever put on me, you know, it's like him, him sort of like, he gives like a great speech in the, you know, I know it's super corny. Like the guy, he, <laughs> I mean, the guy he I just, to was, is somehow like head of the UN and also the head of like Captain America's super soldier project. And he's it's like in every scene, like we need this politician guy. He's like, seems to be in every scene. Like, okay. wait, why is this guy like running everything? Like, who is this dude? Um, but like, I don't know. It, 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 I felt like they did like a, re that was like one of the things that they did a really good job of was like, basically like sort of explaining like the complexity and the dual nature of being okay. like one of these like franchise things, you know, yeah, <laughs> but like, I know it's, all, good it's, they it's, did a good job it's a total fantasy, but it's still, I feel like it's kind of like uplifting and like, it's kind of using its powers for good more than using them for, you know, just gratuitous violence or whatever. Yeah. It's I wonder, like, cause I, it makes me wonder what power would be in, um, you know, I, th I think there's also a value in just kind of showing what an idealized version would be like, rather than like trying to tackle the difficulties of the real world. Yeah, but then that's boring. Like it, to me, it seems like- I, don't know. I, mean, like, I think that's get... what Star Trek succeeds at is they show like what humans would, the, what problems deal you deal with when humans are at their best. Like the original series Next Generation, basically. Yeah, I mean, mostly like Next Generation Voyager era stuff. Well, Voyager era, I, I don't feel was as much like that, but yeah. Because DS9 certainly wasn't utopian society. They had a lot of political stuff with the Bajorans and the Cardassians and all yeah, that Yeah, because that's the thing is nothing is that easy, but it's like they at least have, I had an epiphany the other day where I realized that why, why Star Trek is so much better than Star Wars is because they have prime directive, because they have a set clear, clear rules that they can push against, where Star Wars is just like, good versus bad and it's just basically like super vague and you know yeah but i think like the original series at least didn't have the prime directive and it was no, basically no. dean roddenberry going like hey i think the world's kind of fucked up like racism is fucked up so we sure. should talk about that on the show like i think this is you know messed up we should put that in the sh we do an episode about that like um and yeah, i think exactly. that's kind of what that you know that that's more of the direction like Falcon and the Winter Soldier type thing is it's like it's not saying like the whole it, we have this like utopian society it's showing like hey no like this is you know these things are problems or issues and we should all be better like we should be better people we should try to <laughs> inspire okay. I, each I, other and I haven't seen it so I can't I can't critique so much on it I'm just like um yeah I don't know it's I, I, I mean it's not perfect but I, I I think it's I think it's better than it's it's i don't know i think it's i think it's challenging certain conventions and a lot of people like i just saw i just saw a remender posted a, a tweet about it not about the show necessarily but about i know he uh, worked on the falcon comic 
Yeah, so I think I didn't read them. Sorry, Rick. Um, just because I, you know, I wasn't reading any Marvel comics or anything at the time, and still, you know. But uh, <laughs> um, I guess him and it was Carlos Pacheo, maybe who did it with him. That's he he just he basically put on some. He's like, this is this is Carlos's original design for. I guess he basically said that when he made Falcon Captain America in the comics, yeah, I guess that's what it's based. This is based off of was that okay. he wrote he wrote that, and so um, he said he got a lot of grief, like personal attacks, like people were coming at him for doing it. Sure, but I feel like there's nothing you can do in those comics where you're just like, yeah, you know, the like, Marvel audience is, is horrible, and you, you know, know, I, know I give Aquaman a hat, and they'll be like, I will fucking murder you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the water hand thing was, oh man, oh, I just killed. That guy said, clean his balls and um, no, I mean, I think all that stuff is ridiculous. Like, why anyone would give a shit who Captain America is? You know, it's like, it's not my Steve Rogers, you know? So maybe it was some of that fanishness, but, like, sure. I got the impression that uh, there were people that were upset that it was a black guy being Captain America, you know? <laughs> and so he, uh, Rick was like... I was, because immediately I was like, why didn't they make Rhodes? Why, why not Rhodey? He's, like, he's a soldier already. He's, he's at war machine. He'd be a good Captain America. Well, I mean, I... I I, again, I think that's the, I think, you know, nothing against that character. I mean, I like Brody as much as the next guy, but he's a company man, you know? Again, Falcon is, is not, he's not a government agent. He's a hero, you know? Yeah, I mean, I know he lose... works for the military, but it's like, yeah, he, he doesn't, he doesn't do stuff just because he's ordered to do it. Whereas like, I feel like Brody's kind of more of like a military dude you know <laughs> like he's actually in the first episode okay you see him uh plus his legs are all broken and stuff he has to wear like robot legs and i don't know i'm sure that he could do it as like you know war machine captain america but uh uh yeah he just seems more like hey this is the right thing to do giving up the shield back to the <laughs> back to the government where we can you know use it for this new captain america guy <laughs> Be I, I also i should point out that i'm always every time the guy who plays the falcon shows up i always think of him as the villain from eight mile from meanwhile eight mile the eminem movie oh that's right he was really young in that wasn't he? papa doc yeah oh yeah i forgot he was in that huh anthony mackie yeah i don't know i i i, I just also, yeah that, that rip, he was interesting because i got well i didn't know you basically like uh, I guess the final design looks a lot like what the Captain America in the oh, sure. show looks like. That you know, Anthony Mackie's Captain America looks like, and uh, it was just kind of funny, like knowing Rick and like I don't want to talk out of school or say you know say anything about that, but like no, I, I know mean it's pretty obvious. Always... Not even knowing Rick, just knowing like I, I don't know if you saw like Brubaker recently talked about how he I did yeah, yeah like that that like where Brubaker said that he got paid more from an appearance on in a in, deleted scene too yeah a deleted scene then he got paid like to actually do the the work that it was based off of yeah i think they sent him like some kind of thank you check or uh you know when the winter soldier came out and he returned it because it was so low he's like sure. this is an insult <laughs> yeah and, and we've interacted with a couple of friends of ours that are kind of in that thing where it is kind of they do get kind of patronized by people that are making millions of dollars off their ideas uh, yeah, yeah, I think I saw that. Thank you to Rick and the thing, but uh, it was just kind of like when that 
last episode came out and then he tweeted about like, hey, this was, you know, it's great that I, I'm really happy that there's a lot of young people being inspired by the show. You know, and he's like, but, you know, when I did this like 10 years ago. I got a lot of shit for it. So <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> so the, oh, he yeah. didn't say that's that, reasonable. but that was the impression yeah. I, I got from, you know, that tweet. I was like, that's pretty good, you know. <laughs> yeah, I keep I can keep avoiding talking about, you, you haven't even read it, so it's not even a thing, but there's the recent Captain America where they gave Red Skull a podcast was a big deal. Oh, I It's I, too I, stupid to even get into it. It's Captain oh. America's, like, I read it and I was like, I fucking, like, my main takeaway from reading modern Captain America is I was like, man, this is a fucking boring comic book. Yeah, I haven't, I didn't read, I didn't even read the, the but Winter it, Soldier stuff. I mean, it's been so long. The Captain America, my Captain America is the old, uh, like Paul Neary drew it and Kieran Dwyer drew it. But I think it was Mark Grunewald wrote a lot of those. That sounds good. Neary's always great. Yeah, but that was like in the 80s, 90s or something yeah. like early 90s late 80s maybe or maybe i've like ever 80s. been really sold on captain like i like the captain america marvel movie the first one a lot um but i remember i always keep thinking about secret wars you know when they bring in captain america and they're just like who's gonna be our leader and they're all just like you know there's not a, there's not a better person here than old jim's captain america over here and it just like obviously captain america's the leader I know they're just jerking him off so hard that I was just kind of like, all right, I don't know what he's done. What that's he done? like his. That's like his main superpower is like, you know, he's got heart and he, you know, inspires people to be the best. You know, like he could like take on Galactus and you know, obviously would get destroyed. But <laughs> you know, he's got you know, he's this the uh, fight fighting spirit. You know. Of, yeah, of, it's weird. I just, yeah. I don't think I don't know if I've been I don't know if I've read a Captain America that sold me on Captain America yet. Although you know I, I, I'm probably wrong. I recently, like me and me and my girlfriend always get into to, like Wonder Woman discussions because I just will flat out just be like, "There's never been a good Wonder Woman comic." And, I don't think I've ever read a Wonder Woman comic. Sorry, it's DC. I just you know. Yeah, well, I've been reading the Azarello Cliff Chang stuff has been pretty fun. I've read like three or four issues so far. All dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let me tell you how. Let me tell you how women work. Um, isn't a, isn't like Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad? Aren't they writing? The, oh, like, I read that issue. I read the first issue. Of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just funny because I actually read that and I it raised my opinion of the artist because I was like, oh, she does a decent Wonder Woman. Um, but you just thought everything she did before that was crap. <laughs> I mean, not crap, but like, I was you know. setting you up. <laughs> no, I mean, it's fine. It's just that's the stuff I can say, like, that's good, but not for me. There's like a lot of modern superhero comics where I'm just like, where I'm like, right, it's competent, but it's not like, you know. Well, I mean, I, I just feel that way about most comic, like Wonder Woman in general. Like, oh, that's, I'm sure that's good, and I'm glad that it's really inspiring to people. You know, young, but I'm not. Sure. You know, I'm 50 years old. I'm not. But I think I think Wonder some Woman characters like. I mean, Wonder Woman. I think it's be fucking hard to write because she's like she's not like a person. She's like this idea. Yeah, kind of like Cap. I guess she's sort of like the DC version of Captain America, right? But Captain America has the grounding, at least, of him being. I don't know why I'm arguing for Captain America now, but he has the grounding of at least like he was like a scrawny kid growing up that became the thing. Like my understanding of Wonder Woman is just like, well, she was made from clay and she was perfect. Zazabao. You know? That was that's interesting because like um, not to keep harping on that that show, but um, 
they they were having because they they gave Baron Zemo. He's in the show and played mm-hmm. by that Daniel Bruhl guy. Who I thought did a really good job. Um, but he uh, he hates his whole thing in the show. I don't think this is a deal with the, that he had in the comics. I thought he had like Nazi roots in the comics. But he's anti supremacist, like anyone uh, getting a super soldier serum or anything like that. So he's going around trying to kill, you know, that was his whole deal with the Winter Soldier movie is that he, he programmed Bucky to murder the, you know, start this thing that would destroy all the Avengers because mm-hmm. he hates, you know, them because they blew up his hometown of Sokovia, like okay. murdered his family or whatever. That's so funny. he hates any kind of. It makes me think, like, how far does that go? Is he just like, oh, this guy's really good at checkers. I gotta, I gotta take this guy. What happens if he gets really good at killing people that are really superior? Is he then the, the person he has to take out? No, because he's not superior. He's a, uh, he's a normal human. And he not only he has a problem with, like, you know, normal humans just being human. He just doesn't want there to be, like, the idea of, like, there's one person one group of people is superior to another group of people, you know, like he's, yeah, it's, it's really stupid, like problem is stupid. Cause it's like, he's a, still a billionaire, like, and a, and like a royalty, he's a baron, but he's like, Oh yeah, there shouldn't be supremacy. He's like, well, you don't have a problem with like, classism, I guess flying <laughs> <laughs> yeah. around in a private jet, you know? Yeah. I like that. Um, you're like this, this murderers, this murderers ethics don't really make any sense. Well, he brought, he has this conversation with, with about you know his his ideals or whatever and um or even like asked the anthony mackie the falcon if he would take the super soldier serum he was like no and he's like no hesitation that's impressive um but he's he's basically saying like why he thinks he's like why wouldn't he take the super soldier serum why wouldn't he yeah I, i forget they're there's, you know, there, there's all this history too with Isaiah Bradley with them doing like experiments on him, imprisoning him. And it's, yeah, they, they Look, do. You don't part. get to the moon without Nazi scientists. This is just the way of things. That's funny because in the show, they talk about Captain America being on the moon. Um, no, but my, the whole thing, what I was going to say about that was that he, he's bringing this up of like, he's like every super soldier, every time you've done this, it creates supremacy to where they, that person thinks that, you know, they're better than other people. And it's like really dangerous. And he's like, everyone's, everyone's succumbed to it. And he was like, he was like, except for Steve, you know, and he's like, yeah, he's the ex- exception. And I was like, they didn't, they, I thought that would have been a good time to point out. It's like, yeah, because he had character sure. because he was like a wimpy kid who didn't give up. But isn't Captain America just better than everyone? Isn't that the idea? <laughs> no, but I think that's, I think that was like the point that maybe they didn't say it, but at least yeah. the point is like, and then the the first Avenger, the first Captain America movie, it's like, yeah, the reason he is like awesome after he gets super buff and you know can you know pick up cars and stuff is that he had to like deal with these all these you know handicaps his whole life, you know, being you know weak and scrawny and all this stuff and bullied, and so it's like he had this character instead of becoming bitter. He was like, no, I'm still going to fight. I'm still going to do the Which right thing. Which is funny because I feel like in reality, oftentimes you get kind of more of a Harlan Ellison with that kind of... Well, that's, that's what I mean. I think that's usually the case. It's like, yeah. oh, you're going to turn bitter. And then once you get every, you know, once you get the superpowers or the all the money or yeah. whatever, then you like oppress your oppressors. And instead of that, you know, he... And not even so a shit on Ellison because I, I like I like Harlan Ellison stuff. But, but he definitely was like, went to the grave with a chip on his shoulder. Oh yeah, 
yeah, just it's it's hard not to man. I think that's what being a hero is about is that you are always doing the hard thing, you know, of like, oh, I'm going to have character. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make the right choice in spite of everyone else, you know, coming at me or telling me I'm, you know, whatever, doing it wrong. It's like, you know, you know that you're doing the right thing. So you're just going to do it. You know, I, I don't know that. I, I feel like that's why I like that stuff. You know, it's like, it's just like idealized. Oh man, I wish there were people like that in real life. <laughs> I wish there were Falcons and Winter Soldiers and that kind of stuff. Just because, like, uh, sure. you know, I mean, instead, I, the reality is like way more grim to me. Of like, no, pretty much everyone that gets power is corrupted. Well, yeah. I generally think that there's good people that get in positions of power, but oftentimes they are not the people you hear about because sometimes going for fame isn't necessarily the same thing, you know? Sure, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's good examples of people, um, like real people that do interesting things. It's funny too, because the way that things are thrown at too, like, like I think there's a lot of people that are in good position, positions of power in the world that people dislike because of the positions they're in and not necessarily what they do with it. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, it's like those people who are just like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like we were saying about writing superhero comics. There's people where it's like, you just can't do anything, right? Like people will just like threaten your life if you like change someone's shoes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, I'm sure Rick didn't help this position by, uh, turning Frank Castle into a Frankenstein. I, I, that's hard to argue against. It seems like it was fun. <laughs> um, like I remember when he did that, it was like, oh man, yeah, this is pissing a lot of people off <laughs> i don't know I've, I've i have a lot of admiration for remender's ability to I, I swear he's the only guy that can do as many books as he does and can maintain quality and maybe yeah, it would improve he's a hard worker for sure if he did less books maybe maybe more of his books would be for me because because kind of i generally like him like like certain books of his where i'm like this one's not for me but that's great art or whatever but when his books hit i feel like they're they're solid. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, he produces more stuff than I can consume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and there's a lot of guys that do that, but I don't, I don't generally don't try to consume their stuff. I think one of his strengths is that he, he is such a like, uh, he's really good at getting good artists to work with him. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Like he brought in uh, Tony Moore and Jerome Opeña to Marvel. Mm -hmm. Like he brought those guys with him when he started working at Marvel. Yeah. But those guys too, like, and I don't even dislike his comics necessarily, but like Mark Miller works with amazing artists, but then it's kind of hit or miss sometimes on his books too. Like I don't generally. That's weird. Cause like, yeah, the only uh, Millar stuff I think that I've read is the stuff he does with Frank Quietly. Oh, that's amazing though. It's like, that's yeah, like, Frank but, is, um, I'm gonna throw well, I mean, Frank that's why I would be, but I saw the yeah. trailer for the um, the also, Jupiter's, Jupiter's Children or Jupiter's Legacy or whatever yeah, it is. Legacy. And uh, that just stuff looks so weird in real life. Like, there's something about Frank Quietly's drawings, you're like, that guy looks awesome, these look so cool, I love this. And then you see, like, they do it accurately. They make it look mm -hmm. just, the costumes are the same, the hair, everything, but you're just like, oh, what? What? That was so weird looking. <laughs> to me. I generally, anyway. like, if there's a good comic, I don't need to 
I think the only example I can think of where a comic like really, where a movie version really hit and it made me excited about the comic was the Frank the Rocketeer. City. Oh, okay. <laughs> the funny thing about the Rocketeer is, I mean, that one is an instance. I remember, like, it has the the main lady in it. I remember thinking she was super pretty, but she's not. She doesn't quite look like Betty Page. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. The girl from Labyrinth. I oh, thought they yeah. did a pretty good job at finding an actress that. I'm looking her kind of gave the the Betty Page vibe to it, but it's it's kind of not fair because you would have to basically get a Betty Page look like because that Dave, what's his name, Dave uh, Sim, Dave Stevens, yeah, Dave Stevens. They didn't he basically make her famous again? He helped Betty Page a lot, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, she was kind of more obscure, I think, before he started. Kind of, I don't know if he was the main cause of it, but it seemed like there was this big revival of Betty Page stuff. If there seemed like a correlation there to me, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of of the Betty Page character in the movie. Is her name Betty? That's I what she I was thought. Model I after up. Betty Page. Yeah, because he was like obsessed with her. Her name is Jenny. Like a young person. What's up? Yeah, and he used to bring her groceries. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, and they died. He was very... like a recluse, right? At the end of her life. Yeah, and then she got very religious. Um, <clears throat> You're like Sherilyn Finn. Now I'm just looking up uh, Jennifer Conley pictures. You know Sherilyn Finn from Audrey from Twin Peaks is like super religious. Oh yeah, that's disappointing. In it, not yeah. even in a like you know do whatever you want with your life, but it's just disappointing in in a like. Uh, yeah, all that stuff it just bums, you know, like Kevin Sorbo, you know, you're just like, what, really, that guy? Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. I've told you what, about... Ricky Schroeder? Really? That guy? I've told you about like my... I care about these people, but it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. these people I grew up with, like, are bastards? I told you about me and, me and Simon hanging out with Kevin Sorbo. Uh, wasn't it some weird con in, in, uh, in the Yukon or something? Yeah, we went to Yukamacon, and Sorbo was the guest there, and... and um, I talked to him for a bit and he was nice. And we took a bunch of photos of him. And then right when we got back was when he like, hey, got, have you heard about Jesus? <laughs> no, it, he, it was worse than that. Cause you know, I mean, I'm, I'm all for everybody having their own religion and everything. You know, my, my mom's a saint and she's very Catholic, but, um, but I think it was actually like a, like a police brutality thing that he was kind of <laughs> wrong side of history on. That was, that was oh, a little shaky. Um, yeah, isn't he making movies? Like he's like directing movies. I feel like like he's a flat earther or something weird. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Um, I'm just I mean, spreading rumors about him now. It's like I heard because I like it when Kirk Cameron went and made his religious movies. I went and watched all those. Was the Nicolas Cage one? Was that like a remake of those? That was a remake. It wasn't as good as the original. <laughs> we're honest. Huh. Um. Yeah, here's a Jen Jennifer Conley and the Rocketeer did not have Betty Page Banks. Oh, that's where they fucked up. They should have yeah. given the Betty Page. Yeah, page you got to do the Seriously. haircut, man. Yeah. It looked it looked a lot like the comic otherwise because it was just basically like, oh, it's set in the '40s and he's wearing like a joggers and a bombardier jacket. Yeah. I think they had to make the helmet like a little bulkier because you know the, the human head went in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actual head. Um, but I thought the actor that played him mm -hmm. looked just like the character. But yeah, they should have done the haircut. That's weird. I wonder if there would have been, because at that point, 
the Betty page was probably more litigious. So I wonder if it was like, let's not make this exactly based off a real human being. Well, if he was helping her out, you'd think, That's a good point, yeah. you'd think he might have, it, it almost feels like something like a producer or something was like, what is this old fashioned thing? You know, like, <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> maybe Jennifer Connelly was like, I'm not, you're not putting a wig on me or I'm not cutting my bangs or whatever. And they were just like, ah, fuck it, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I that's I haven't seen the movie in years, but I'm gonna say right now that that it needs those bangs. It does need those bangs. They should CG them in, yeah, and CG should. out the blue line around all the special effect scenes. That's the biggest bummer about movies from that era, like what's the blue before line? Return of the Jedi and all that stuff was re redone. Any any kind of like science fictiony or fantasy type thing where they have like a blue screen because mm -hmm. it is before these green screens i guess these blue screens Weird. you see like a blue halo around so when he's like jetpacking through the air you can it just i, I just look at him like oh it looks so fake because i can see the blue thing around him oh, i never noticed i wonder if it would bother me at all because there there are some things that i've watched like old movies and i don't know i think i'm i think i'm just a cheap date when it comes to to old stuff because i'll watch like 70s you know, Blake Seven will be like, this is perfect, everything's perfect in this, and it's like, filmed <laughs> in someone's garage. Like, when I see them, like, bumping into a wall and the wall shakes. Like, <laughs> Lately, whenever, whenever I've been watching Star Trek, because I'm slowly going through Voyager, I'm like five seasons in now, every time they open and close a door, I'm always, like, nudged Casey, and I'm like, that's a guy, there's a guy, like, I'm going to close that by hand. Oh, they did it by hand? It wasn't even wasn't even remote controlled i assume i assume it was by hand because like it's like you're not going to build a door for every door that's like space door i just figured you just have one door that you just recycle every on every set i mean but you could also just have a gaff you could just have a dude do it I might there's no there. way they, they must have had some kind of levees and pulley system for the for the uh holodeck doors you know and it's like they're like exit and they go that can't be just a guy adding sound effects adds a lot to it it's a, it's two guys i'm saying it's two guys we'll look this up afterwards and, and look and see if we can find because i'm pretty sure it's just like some dudes with two by fours on the other side okay well which which era like all of them or or just the original series i'm gonna say at least into the into the 90s hmm yeah, I wonder. Because, I mean, I mean they have elevators. Like, you know what I thought was a cool effect in the original Star Wars and A New Hope? Uh, the way the blast doors would come down. Oh, like, you know, when they first were in the Stormtrooper yeah. outfits and they, you know, take yeah. their helmets off and they're in the little waiting room. Uh, yeah, the way you press them, you know, come down so fast. But I, I, my little kid was like, what if you were under the door? Would it chop you in half? You know, I, I guess it was. Probably, yeah. There's probably but, like a sensor or something down there that wouldn't let you. I wonder though, because I mean, I, I bet a part of it with like blast doors is if you're dealing with something that's in space and you have to stop it from decompressing, that it's you're willing to risk cutting off a leg or something if it doesn't decompress the whole ship. Huh. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. My understanding of how space works is so ruined by watching things like Silverhawks, where I'm like, sometimes people just are in space and they're just they're playing the guitar and shooting lasers out of their guitar. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't one of the Space Hawks guy, wasn't he like Cowboy or something? He yeah. had like a cowboy hat on. Yeah. And he was like Blue, Bluegrass, I believe his name was. Bluegrass, okay. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I think so. I'm looking that, at Bluegrass. That show is weird because it, I, I, there was like, that guy by Bluegrass, far yeah. had the best superpower. 
Like his was amazing. Like he, he had could, a mohawk as well under his cowboy hat. But he could like he has like absorbing man where he could basically like any element that he touched, he could become that element. So he was, could turn himself into like a rock man or water man or whatever. Are you thinking of Galaxy Rangers? That's what I'm thinking of Galaxy Rangers. Wasn't there a guy in there that was like a cowboy that could do that too? You're thinking of, his name was Shane Gooseman. They're all Shane Galaxy, Gooseman. They're oh. all cowboys in Galaxy Rangers. Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, um, okay, so Galaxy Rangers the show singing not Silver Hot. Sorry, I got this confused. Yeah, Galaxy Rangers treated space a little bit more how, you know, my idea of space works. Yeah, but what, I guess, yeah, so Silver Hawks was completely, like, super cartoony, crazy, whereas, like, Galaxy yeah. Rangers kind of had more of a sci-fi structure, a little, little more sophisticated. Yeah, I mean, it still had robot horses, so take it for whatever that's But it was, I, I felt like it was, yeah, it was like a little, maybe like two-year-older audience. Yeah, I mean, Silverhawks was by the guys that did Thundercats, and so it was kind of like this, like, very fun nonsense world, you know? They really had, like, a theme where it was like... Oh, yeah, so there's Silverhawks. An element and then yeah. an animal. <laughs> yeah, and there, there, there the third show called, called Tiger Sharks. Oh, I remember Tiger Sharks. Yeah, it was like an underwater... Yeah, and they had a like a they had a tank of like magic water that they jumped in that would transform them into like fishier versions of themselves. But those are those are two animal animals together, tiger sharks, or like silver hawks. Maybe they're all like it's an it's an adjective and an animal. Like because you could kind of make tiger shark because I guess well tiger shark is a thing. Like yeah, tiger shark's just a thing too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe they tried. My thing about Galaxy Rangers, real quick, is this is uh -huh. stupid. I mean, like everything else I'm saying, but uh, so like, okay, they had that guy who because it, the thing with Galaxy Rangers, they all had special powers. It has one of the characters in it. Um, I mean, kind of. There's one guy. I mean, they were they were. Well, in, the Doc guy had a little com super computer where yeah. he had like little little nanobite. That's what I was gonna say. Is he didn't necessarily, but he I guess he could communicate with because they they he were. He had all, a really good power because yeah, you can use that in modern life or whatever but he can sure. hack any computer basically yeah and then nico who's kind of i believe based off nico from the velvet underground was psychic and then you had zach zachary fox had like a an arm where it that's what i'm gonna from. get at so like everyone has these awesome powers especially gooseman or whatever who has Shane gooseman yeah who has the best power by far he's like a god compared to everyone yeah um but the main guy he just has a bionic arm yeah like what that sucks compared to everyone else has these like amazing <laughs> abilities and it's like oh he's it's like the captain america and secret wars like let's make him the leader he doesn't have anything else to do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got he, had a, he had an arm that could shoot energy but he also had um yeah who knows i don't know I, yeah, it, maybe it, he could do other stuff i just wasn't aware of but i just was like why does he just get a bionic arm and everyone else can are these like you know omnipotent beings basically well not doc doc's just a hacker not just a hacker that's a, in a su super fantasy super far sci-fi world be able to hack any system like everything's run on computers now sure. like in the future you could be like control whatever you would want a guy like that on your team for sure well, and and you know what you need also is a guy with a cyborg arm that can shoot no he's <laughs> definitely the weakest link you could get by without him everyone else they could completely lend their abilities, but all he can do is bark orders at people and maybe like 
get someone's back occasionally. Zachary Fox was a pretty solid. Also, you gotta you gotta keep in mind that Shane Gooseman was a hothead. He was a hothead, but he was also cool, Mister Cool. Cucumber. They're really, they really were kind of like Wolverine and um, and Cyclops. Oh, okay. So they were kind of needling each other a lot. No, but without that aspect of it, like if you. Oh. Like, they both wanted to fuck Jean Grey. <laughs> I I don't know. There was no uh, Nico was kind of the Jean Grey in it, but I don't think there was the sexual tension there because Zachary Fox's wife was was um, kidnapped by the, the Queen of the Crown and put in a psycho crystal. Well, you've really watched a lot of those. Gals <laughs> watched a lot of Gals Maybe I should rewatch all those. They're really good, actually, and they actually have surprisingly good music. I well, I remember the story having weird little tangents that went on too that seemed fun like they were trapped in some kind of alternate dimension planet or something for a while where there was like this weird mad max type people that sounds right yeah it's been a while there's a bunch of really cool stuff they, there's a whole storyline in it with this guy called the scarecrow that was kind of a being that was um older than kind of human history and he was woken up at some point and there was a planet where technology was not allowed and it was like a fantasy world but then it turns out that they had like a computer running the whole place and the computer um fought the scarecrow guy because they're both like pre they're like from an ancient society that they are kind of hint at it's really cool stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna watch those at some point i gotta i gotta finish blake seven i'm just like on episode eight or nine or something like that. I always do that. I always get about 10 in like seven and then start over. Um, yeah, there was one I was, I don't know which episode it was, like seven or something, where I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't, you know, because I just go and watch them in the daily motion thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, oh, I, I, I haven't seen this one yet. And I was like watching it and I was like, oh, no, I, I have seen this. I remember the scene, but I couldn't, it was one of those things where I couldn't remember what was going to happen next until it actually happened. I'm like, oh yeah, right. now I remember this now that I've seen it again. But like, I still don't know what, how this episode's gonna end. I guess I gotta watch the whole thing again. <laughs> huh. That's a good excuse to just like start drawing when you have it on. I, and and I, then I, you know, I'll have, probably have to watch it again because I got wrapped up in drawing. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> the nature of the beast. Yeah. I should, uh, we should get, wrap this up. Even okay, though I yeah. talk about bottom feeders or I'll do that next time. Yeah, we can just, yeah, it's good to it's good to talk even if it's even if it's for us and the the three people that wanna wanna listen to our conversation. Go buy uh Rain Like Hammers if you haven't. Anyone that's listening to this. No, Brandon, <laughs> go buy your own book. I will. I feel like I feel like the people that listen to this are probably like the the few people that are like, Yeah, I already got it. Yeah, I got I got I'm, issue I'm four. Uh yeah, I haven't read issue four yet, but I have loved the first three, so I'm sure I'll love I this hope one. I like it. Four was the one where I decided I was like trying to have more fun because I was, you know, I was trying to like plumb through a bunch of bullshit in it and get it all into paper. In issue four, I was like, okay, I need to, this needs to be fun for me to make these books. I don't want to bore myself and other people. So I added some new characters and tried to make it a little more, it's a little lighter of an issue. So I hope was there another book you wanted to talk about? But we can save it for next time. Yeah, really we'll, I we'll do this. Go. Okay, it was good talking to you. It happens every time, like, I'll drink a pot of coffee and then just be like, We need to start ah. doing this with catheters. Yeah. All right, man. All right, good talking to you later, Farrell. You too. Bye.